0: Welcome to Life Changing Money, a podcast all about one of the most taboo topics in the world, money. I'm your host, Barbara Shrehan, and we're going behind the scenes on business owners' journeys to money, success, and wealth. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Life Changing Money. I'm so excited because I have my friend Ashish here. Hello, and welcome to the show.
1: Hello, darling. Good to see you.
0: You too. Long time, no chat. Long um, time, no chat. Last time we spoke, I was on your podcast, yes. which is called- the
1: rich, We we have a podcast called The Rich Equation Podcast, which is what does it mean to live a rich life? And we talk about all things life and business and money and health and nutrition and all of it. So um, yeah, I was uh, really grateful for you to do the podcast. And I think we talked a lot about tax- that Probably. Time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't have a rich life if you're paying too much in taxes.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Um, but what is your definition of a rich life?
1: I think for me, living a rich life, you know, I spent like my whole podcast is about this one word. I think being rich means that you have a lot of different experiences in your life and you do a lot of different things. And, um, you live your life with full color. Hmm. That's kind of what where I'm at right now. And I'm always exploring this word and, and this definition. And so I think it's important to be curious.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So besides the podcast, tell our listeners, like, what is it that you do?
1: So I actually, uh, I, I started a furniture manufacturing business a little bit over a decade ago, probably 2010 now. Um And I've been doing that for a while and started my entrepreneurial journey doing that. We manufacture furniture for hotels all around the United States. It's an international company. So we manufacture overseas um, and have built factories and supply chains and all that fun stuff. Wow! And I think right before COVID, I launched the podcast with an attempt to start sharing some of these conversations that I was having privately with entrepreneurs about how challenging it is to be, you know, a business owner, an entrepreneur, um, the, the silent suffering, I call it. And which is why I launched the podcast to have these conversations a little more publicly so people can learn and accelerate their, their path of learning and growth. Um, and so that's kind of my quote unquote day job. Um, but we're constantly learning and growing and we're now, you know, one of the largest in space, um, primarily in the U.S., and trying to see if we can go international now. So exciting yeah. stuff happening. Yeah.
0: How do you get into furniture manufacturing? Bad luck.
1: <laughs> uh Oh, <laughs> bad luck. Nobody chooses at at a young age to be in the furniture business. I'll tell you that.
0: Really? Okay. Um,
1: I think that one of one of my biggest blessings was that. I didn't think so much about being in the furniture business. And I think at a young age now, everyone is, has to waste too much information and we overthink our career path and we get so lost in like, are we making the right choice for the rest Mm -hmm. of our lives? I mean, Gary V talks about this all the time, right? Just do shit. Just like get your head down and do work. And I think honestly, like that's what I did ignorantly be it, but that's what we did and i just put my head down and moved faster than everybody else and just worked really really hard and then you lift your head 10 years later you're like what did we just build what did we just create and if i thought about it and i was like oh am i happy am i doing my life's journey and purpose i probably would have missed out all of those experiences and now i'm able to ask those questions and be a little bit more thoughtful of what you choose and what you spend less time on or more time on but I think at the beginning to get as much experience as you can as a young person in your career, I think is super important. So just like say yes to stuff and just do work. And I, yeah, like I said, bad luck. It just happened to be in the furniture business. It could have been anything. Yeah. Um. So, yeah.
0: I love that. I feel like a lot of people don't talk about like oh, maybe this wasn't my life's dream, but this is what we're doing and we're making the best of it. Like, yeah. I talk about that with accounting, right? Like people are always like, taxes are so boring. You don't seem like an accountant and like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, yes. I got pregnant in college and that is what my career counselor told me to do. So that is what I did. But like, I turned it into my passion. It took me a yes. decade to do that. Like yes. for a decade, I was like, this shit is boring. Like, and I don't really like what I'm doing, but eventually I turned it into something that like I could get behind and like yeah. I could be passionate about. So I love that you're talking about that too, because I feel like a lot of people on interviews or podcasts, they're just like, this was my life's dream and yeah, you know, all things are glitter and sparkles.
1: Yeah. I really get triggered by this word purpose and passion. Because I feel like, I don't know if I have a purpose or a passion, I think I'm just, I have purposes and passions in short increments of life. Yeah. And, and I think that we're so, I don't know why there's this like stigma or this universal expectation that like, you should know your purpose in life from the moment you finish college to the moment you die. And it can only be one purpose and if you're not singing, you know, sparkles and rainbows about it all the time, then there's something must be wrong with you or you must be unhappy. I, right. That's not how real life works. Yeah. And so I think you can find, you know, I talked about this with you on your on the podcast that I recorded with you is like you're really doing something really different with tax and you're you're showing up differently than most CPA show up and mm-hmm. and making it fun again and and so you're finding uh purpose and creativity and and passion in that even though you're doing tax returns and yeah. most people may not find that quote unquote fun but doesn't have to be it's it could be the, all the other things that that feed you so right yeah we just get lost in the wrong thing here i think
0: yeah and like we're human beings like we're ever evolving so we're ever evolving like don't pick your purpose right out of college cuz it's not going to be the same and then i don't know
1: no you're totally right i think you're totally right
0: so your furniture manufacturing business was it always in the hotel space
1: always in the hotels we only do hotels
0: so how did you get your connections in the hotel world
1: um we even you know, I've grown up in the hotel industry hotel business my entire life um my dad was actually a general contractor so right after school I joined his business and helped him kind of reorganize. Uh, From a mom and pop shop, I will say, to just getting a little bit more organized systems wise, right? Using that college degree to help the parents get a little uh, more systematic. And I learned a lot of like my entrepreneurial family business skill sets with my dad growing up really young. And um, so I, like I said, I kind of fell into the hotel furniture business and i had enough relationships to like start to get in um but you know you really had to put your head down and and start to get out there and sell and tell a story i think wh- whenever you're entering in a new market it's super important to learn how to build trust effectively and efficiently cuz mm-hmm. you don't have 25 years of history and brand name and legacy and all those things to build trust right mm-hmm. and what I know now, I wish I knew back then. But like, well, kind of what you're doing in your ecosystem is like you're using social media to help, or or, or your brand to help yeah. you build trust with people, so that before they even call you, they feel like they know you.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: didn't exist as prevalently, I suppose, when we started, and I wasn't even thinking about those things. Yeah. So I had to really use different mechanisms and systems, and and process and reporting, and you know, different ways for us and our company to build trust with com- with our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really nichey business. It's not like a, you know, it's very nichey. It's very clicky, I will say, very relationship focused. So we had to find ways to just get intimate with people and build intimate relationships. Now we use social media and storytelling and all those fun skill sets. But, you know, when you're young, you don't know anything. You just try yeah. to make people happy and try to build trust.
0: So I'm envisioning like these hotel guru, like huge billionaire entrepreneurs. Yeah, is that like who you're having dinners with, or is it like no. not well, as the, cool as them? <laughs> those people,
1: those people have people, right? Yeah. But our sale process is a triangulation between a hotel owner, a designer, and a purchasing agent, and between those influencers, I'll call it a uh, transaction is, happens so you really are trying to make multiple people happy depending on what they need and what their sort of influences in the project or what their goals are and they all have different goals and um and then ultimately decide you know figuring out who is the decision maker who's going to ultimately make the final decision and how can i help make them feel confident that when they're signing that check or when they're picking that vendor that um i feel confident that they'll be able to deliver and I know who to call when something goes wrong, and you know they have the processes and the systems and the people in place to reduce the risk as much as possible. So we're in a very B two B world, um, yeah. you know. So there's a lot of players and a lot of different moving parts. So it's a little bit of a longer, more complicated sale process, and and you have to learn how to be patient, and you have to <laughs> constantly be persistent, and be, you know all those fun things.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah.
0: When you said, when you first said hotel furniture manufacturer, I kind of giggled because in college I dated this guy and when we would go out to the bars, he would tell people like we'd always have like a fake name or like, yeah. you know, like this persona. And he would tell people that his job was, um, hotel carpet designer there or, you know. or a hotel elevator music producer. Producer. Yeah. That was like his uh, persona at the bar.
1: Yeah. That's what I tell people. I just make sofas for a living.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, but it's actually yeah. true.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. So your dad was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What are some tips that you learned from him growing up?
1: Great question. I I grew up around entrepreneurs. Um, and I think that there's a few things that I probably observed growing up. I think that Number one is you really see how hard, how hard it is to be an entrepreneur and how, um, how hard you have to work to make something successful. So, like that, that hard work ethic was really instilled in me at a really young age. I didn't think about what is the difference between working hard and not working hard. It's just you only work hard. Yeah. And I think that's, um, I think if you look around you right that all the most successful people not only just in business but also in their personal life or in their relationship lives all those things they're mm-hmm. people that put in effort and do the work that is required that most other people are not willing to do. The other thing I really observed is that the entrepreneurial journey can get lonely. But it doesn't have to be lonely. Yeah. I think that I think I learned that not from them But observing most of my parents or my uncles or whatever, they, it's a very lonely journey and they often do it themselves. And, you know, the concept of masterminding or groups or coaching that didn't quite exist in their generations. Right. Yeah. So, um, we were able to lean on that to improve our probabilities of success. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the entrepreneurial journey is, is for not the faint of heart.
0: Right. No, I love that like today it's all the rage to be in like masterminds and groups and go on retreats because it is freaking lonely. And like yeah. as you grow in success, like your circle of friends can change and like Absolutely. that's also lonely because you're like I don't know, kind of being reborn and then you have to like grieve your old friends and I don't know. It can be it can be hard.
1: It can be hard. And one thing about entrepreneurs is going back to what you observe in them is that there's always a way they Mm -hmm. always find a way and you don't always see the suffering because you're not, you know, you don't see the balance sheet. You don't see the income statement. You don't see how much cash is in the bank, right? As a young kid, you don't see all that. They may be suffering to the point where they're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent check next month, or I don't know how I'm going to pay make payroll,
0: Yeah, but
1: they find a way. And so like, I think as my business is evolving and growing, and you get more obstacles, you learn how to deal with that adversity with more grace. Mm-hmm. Um, as a young entrepreneur, it's not so graceful, but as you mature in your journey, you can learn that you know there's a you just live to die another day. Keep yeah. just chugging forward and one day at a time. And I think that's that's an important lesson. I think um, most entrepreneurs even me feel, I felt like I should have immediate success. This should be way easier than it is. Everything should go my way. Um, and the entrepreneurial journey, running your own business, there's just obstacles every single day. You just have to get used to managing them and, and working through them and
0: finding a way. Yeah. The the always finding a way, I I'm kind of like super woo-woo. So in the energetics world, I always say like that is their energetic minimum. So it can be hard and there can be this huge obstacle in the way, but their energetic minimum means like they'll never get below a certain amount or they'll never, you know, some people are okay with a negative bank account, but that's their energetic minimum. Some people are not and they'll never go negative, but they'll always make just enough to make it because that's like where they're at um, in terms of like their money flow. And so- I think as you like become more successful, that energetic minimum like goes up and up and up. So like no matter what obstacle gets in the way, like it's just, you're going to do it and figure it out.
1: Yes. That was great.
0: Yeah. Thanks.
1: Yeah, Let's get into it. Let's get into money mindset. Here we go.
0: So your dad growing up, you Mm -hmm. observed him a lot and got a lot of tips from him, but what are some of the negative money mindsets that maybe you saw growing up?
1: Yeah, I think I think that my parents were immigrants and I was the first born generation in the US. And I think that their life and their stories about money and their purposes of making money were quite very different than what drives us in our generation. Mm-hmm. So it's unfair to compare why they were behaving why they behaved the way they behaved and why we behaved the way we behaved but what I would say is that you know they' they you know we'd go back to like finding purpose and finding peace and finding like they didn't give a shit about that that was not why they were trying to make it yeah they were trying to make it to survive
0: survival yeah
1: right? They were trying to make it to give the most opportunity to their family or to their cousins or to their kids or to their wife. It had nothing to do with, am I happy? Am I enjoying this journey? Am I doing what I love? Now, of course that comes up a little bit, but that wasn't the, the main purpose. Um, I also think that their their stories of money come from their parents, just like ours do, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would say that, my dad, although, was always really good at making money. He wasn't good at, you know, you talk about flow of money. He wasn't uh, trained or learned about how to manage his money, how to save his money, how to store his money, how to treat it like energy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, money was always just coming in and out, in and out, in and out all the time. And I think that is his challenge in his journey that he had to figure out, how to always keep looking for more money because he didn't think about money like energy and store it and plan for it and whatever. I shouldn't say store it, but really yeah, under, understand his relationship with money. Um, and I have some of that too. Like there's always used to be a, a phrase in the house all the time. It's like, we don't have any more money. We're out of money. Mm. Not that we don't have money, but as most entrepreneurs know, there's always little cash in the bank. <laughs> Not that you don't have money, but there's the bank account is always very little because it's invested or it's moving or it's, you know, it's, it's ARAP or whatever. Right. Yeah. But growing up, it's like, oh my God, it's like, we don't have money. What do you mean? We don't have money. (laughs) And then if you're, and you know, it's all about relationships with husband and wife. If your mom says that we don't have money because she also doesn't understand what that means. And he doesn't spend time explaining that to her, that it's not about how much money we have in the bank. Where we run a business, money mm-hmm. comes in and out, and that's just how things flow. Then th- those are the stories that get imprinted in you. And so, even even as I was growing my own personal wealth and I was running my business, those stories trickle on. Like yeah. I'm always looking for cash. I'm always looking for money. I'm you know you're always, and then you start learning. And I love how you pivoted that about energy and our vibration. And at first, I was like, man, is that my limit? And then you start to open up the mind of a new story of, well, what if, what if I could have this much money?
0: Mm -hmm. What if
1: I could have this much earnings? What if I could, what what if I could hit this much revenue? And then those start things start to manifest because you are, you're opening up your energy to those possibilities. Right. And, um, so I'm learning through the process too. I think I'm at a certain uh, minimum. That now mm-hmm. I need to now evolve to well, what's beyond that now? Yeah, I think it is about how open you are and what you attract. Right, there's a reason yeah. why people like Russ, you know, Brunson are billionaires because they just they attract it. It just they're so open to that abundant energy that it just flows to them. Right, and um, that's an important skill.
0: Yeah, so just play with that, like. Yeah, write down that new scary number and just like dream about it and think about it and keep writing it down. And like, it will happen. Like the numbers that I write down now, like, like make me laugh. They're so like, it's funny. And I'm like, wow, it just funny. happens. It's weird, but you have to be like open to it and still take inspired action. It's not like you're just writing a number down and money's just like falling in your lap, but I think like writing it down, knowing your goals and taking inspired action, you'll be like unstoppable.
1: I think that's a really key distinction too, because I think in past generations, they didn't do that. They didn't plan. They didn't organize. They didn't business plan. They didn't create those, that clarity and dream about it. It was just like, I don't want to say hand to mouth, but yeah, they're just surviving, right? Mm -hmm. Like what is a business plan? What is the vision? Like who the hell cares about that? We have a roof over our head. We're, We're winning right now. Yeah. And so um, when I started the business, I wrote a big number down on a piece of paper and I stuck it on my door. Everyone thought I was crazy. And in like three years, we crossed that number. And then I wrote a number that was five times bigger than that number. And I haven't quite achieved that number yet, but I think I will in the next year or two. So it's it's really quite powerful doing what you said is Writing these things down and like just having it come into your life more frequently Mm -hmm. and dreaming about it and imagining it and and it just kind of finds a way. It's really quite but if you don't, you'll never know. And and, and you just it is what it is. You just you're victim to that and can't complain.
0: Exactly. So if you could go back to your young entrepreneurial self, what advice would you give him?
1: I'll oh, meditate. Ooh. Yeah, meditate early. Learn how to meditate early. Get out of your ego.
0: Do you do guided meditations or just sit I, in silence?
1: A little bit of both. I think just like my what I mean by that is like learn how to think about your thinking and get out of your ego. And um, I think that ego and you know, ignorance, I'll say gets in the way a lot and it's just really inefficient. So we end up using way more energy than we need to to accomplish the same things and and drive forward because we're just stuck. We just don't know. And I think um 7 or 8 years into my journey kind of finding clarity through meditation I was like, man, life is just so much more efficient now. I'm I'm, I'm better at making decisions. I know where I'm stuck. I know where I'm getting in my own way, where I'm showing up with ego or not. And I think um, all entrepreneurs need some spiritual balance mm-hmm. and clarity because you're making so many decisions every single day. And where are you coming from in those decisions? You know, are you coming externally? Are you coming from all this materialistic stuff, this drive, this ego? Or are you coming from within? And I think it you really can get more efficient. So that's what I would say.
0: So how does someone start if they're listening and they're (laughs) like, and they're like meditate? What does this guy even mean? Like, is there a YouTube video you would recommend or a book? Or do you do it in the morning? Do you do it before bed?
1: Yeah. So great question. And one of the things we talk about on our podcast because I think routine is a really important pillar of our of our the rich equation. Um, it's a really important pillar of life that I recently learned in the last few years. My morning routine is kind of where I source my energy from. So whether it's movement and exercise and then some meditation or journaling or something like that, some mindfulness in the morning, but there's nowadays, there's like so much stuff out there, right? Like, I, know. I mean, there's, there's traditional gurus, there's modern day gurus, it doesn't matter whether it's on YouTube or, or, um, you know, Insight, like it doesn't, there's so many things. Um, just do something that is mindful. And, um, I'm really like unpacking this thought of like rethinking about our thinking. Like, uh, you know, how do we rethink what we think we know? Ooh. And I'm spending a lot of time on that right now. Like our assumptions, we assume everything, everything yeah. is an assumption, everything's an opinion
0: and perception. And right. Yeah. So, uh,
1: you know, spending time in your day, creating this level of awareness in our thinking can make us better, make mm-hmm. us better people, better decision makers. Um, and it just feels better because, you know, you're not coming from this fake, inauthentic, like judgment zone. Yeah. You're coming from, you know, which is why I love doing podcasts. It's like you can you can be curious and not be judged for it in a podcast. Yeah. You don't have to know the answers. It's okay. That's the whole point of this is we're all exploring new, que- new answers to new questions. Yeah. So putting that into your daily routine, I think is super important. And then you walk into your work day with that. Um, I think it rubs off on people.
0: What are some of the ways you empower your team or grow your team personally?
1: I think that, you know, I had a mentor that once told me that business is easy. People are hard and everything is about people. And as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, like we're we're very transactional. I mean, I'm in a product business, right? So we make something physical. And I think it's really easy to get lost in that. That's the product. That's the business. It's really not. It really is about the people. I value deep relationships, and so I spend a lot of personal time with our core teams and our leadership teams and things like that. And we'll do retreats. We'll do meditations together. We'll do um, a lot of, we do a ton of personal development together, masterminding, coaching, all kinds of fun stuff to just get out of the procedural day-to-day tactical work mm-hmm. to elevate our relationships, our thinking, our our ways of behaving with each other, our vulnerabilities, so that when we're on the field of battle, we can operate more efficiently. Um, So we do a lot of that, a lot of out of the office type of stuff, Yeah, getting lost in the woods and um, things like that. Yeah.
0: Where do you find those ideas?
1: I'm kind of just inspired selfishly to do it. And they're my guinea pigs. So we just you're like, hey, come, lost.
0: <laughs> come get well, let's, lost. We're just going to go do
1: something and let's go do it. And now I'm able to delegate a little bit of that uh, to other team members. But in the beginning, it was like, I just wanted to spend as much time with them as possible. And I think that's really important in building effective teams that you really need to be able to trust each other. And it's hard to build really deep trust just in the confines of the office,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? human trust yeah so um it's not for everybody because not everybody wants to get that personal but for the people that are okay with that and willing to do it it's incredibly powerful
0: yeah building and scaling a team was like the hardest thing that hardest I had thing. to do in business but it's also like the most rewarding that's right yeah friendship. in fact
1: in fact we go back to purpose I feel like that's one of the things that gives me the most energy it's like regardless of what product i'm making
0: mm-hmm. i get
1: so much passion and excitement and feeling of service when i spend time with my team and like elevating other people that even if the business makes money or doesn't make money it, it's fulfilling in some way yeah right? So that's one thing I learned over that period of time, like, wow, that this is what's giving me a little bit of purpose is like pouring into this group of people Yeah. regardless of the business results.
0: Even, even just like paying payroll every two weeks, I'm always just like, wow, I'm so grateful that like I get to fund like 30 families, you know, like that is really cool. And just knowing like on the hard days where I'm like, man, do I really want to keep building and scaling? I'm like, I have to, because I have to help like these families, you know, Mm -hmm. as you were growing and scaling your business, what are some of the things that you invested in?
1: I think you, you, we were talking about it. I spent, I spent a ton of time and money on people, a ton of time and money. That's for sure. Um, I also invest a lot in technology and process, probably more than most of my competitors and my peers in other businesses too. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time in procedural innovation or softwares or new tools or communication tools or things like that, that try to make um, the business more efficient. And then also how can we share more information with our customers in a way in, in a more transparent way than anybody else is, is doing. And so that takes a lot of time and a lot of research and a lot of like exploration, a lot of mistakes. Cause there's so many softwares that do so many things and how do they all yeah. connect to each other and all that kind of fun stuff. But we spend a lot of time on that. We invest a lot in, in our, in sales, like most businesses should
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and not necessarily in like marketing. We probably could improve that. But we spend a lot of energy and resources on the right salespeople, and because they represent you and they represent your company and and who you are and your values. So we spend a lot of money and time on on um, on sales resources and sales energy and training. And we do retreats for our sales folks, and we do, you know, we'll fly everybody in because we have people all around the country. We'll fly them in to have a weekend, um, you know, session. Uh, mastermind basically with our own team and, and do the same thing with them. So it's both internal and external. I've been trying to figure out how I do that with my customers, mm. but I don't know if all customers would be open for that. But I think there's, you know, if we're, if you're really trying to build loyal relationships with your customers and how do you get them out of their comfort zone and go on a life journey with them, you know, yeah. But not, not everybody's open for that. So we'll one take one step at a time.
0: Maybe just create a weekend and invite, you know, whoever wants to come.
1: I think that's, yeah, yeah, I think that's it. You know, we, we travel a lot with our customers overseas into factories and to project sites. And, and you learn that every time you travel with a customer, the relationship is way better. Mm -hmm. You know, the feedback is better. There's more loyalty because you spend personal time with them. How much can you keep talking about furniture? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Right. So
1: you talk about life and you talk about kids and you talk about what challenges they're dealing with and all that. And then that's how relationships get formed. Right. So how can you create these intimate experiences where customers can come and live life with you? And maybe there's a little bit of fun and play, but there's also personal development and exploration and vulnerability. And you build authentic relationships with people. And you send them back in the world and you have forever long-term relationships um, yeah. up for people that will support you.
0: We do that with our clients. Like we host retreats and yeah, exactly. they think they're coming for like business strategy and tax strategy and all these like very technical things. But what we don't tell them is it's very woo-woo. And like, we start with a sound bath and breath work and all of these very just like woo-woo things that they didn't know that they needed. But those are always, when we do a survey, like those are their most favorite
1: things. It's the most pattern interrupting.
0: Yeah. And like, it opens them up to now. Yes, we can do the technical things and like, you know, the strategy and all of that, but maybe in a different like avenue than where they would have before. That's why
1: people need to be listening to Barb. She's like, just changing the
0: game. (laughs) She's transcending,
1: she's transcending tax.
0: Ooh, I like it. Yeah, we're like people's money therapists for sure. Yeah. Um. Okay, so what about investments like to grow your wealth? Do you love like retirement accounts or real estate or like what's your thing?
1: Yeah, I think I have built this framework of money and I don't know if this is the best strategy or what, but it works for me. Um, I think everybody in their life needs to have a place where they're making the money and then a place to invest it and that 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 little rotational circle is super important so for me my furniture business and all of my different businesses generate me income let's call that the cash cows right mm-hmm. and i invest majority of my wealth now in real estate i pay a lot of tax because it's because the businesses generate good income sure and hopefully over time Real estate will allow me to shelter some of that income or that tax as I build wealth long term. Yeah, I've played around with stocks since I was in college. Uh, a little, you know, I dabbled in crypto. Um, I've been, I have a finance and accounting degree, so I'm very well versed in all that stuff. But to be honest, I feel like today you really don't have a competitive advantage when you're trading or when you, when you're investing unless you have a really long term view and you understand how to. Value enterprise. Um, if you think you can somehow arbitrage the market, probably you have wrong. a very low chance, and you're probably wrong. And I think it's also a distraction. So safe, So why I like this framework is that I spend a lot more of my time than I used to on the core things that make me money, and then I just invested in real estate that I don't have to stress and worry about. Before I started investing in real estate, I spent so much time in the stock market or this or that. Yeah. And- it's just a waste. It's just a big distraction. And, and when you're winning, you think you're a genius. And when you're failing, you blame everybody else. Right. So it's just like, <laughs> stop that crap. I started investing in real estate. That's been, that's been really great for me. Multi, mul, uh, mostly in multifamily and hotels, but exactly. I'm a passive, I'm a passive investor. I'm not like an active investor. I don't like, I'm not running around managing properties and stuff like that. Doing like, so you like syndication? yeah, I'll do some syndications um, things that where I can hire a management company or I have a syndication or I invest with fund or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so that way I don't have to worry about it. Right. I spend less than an hour a month thinking about those things and spend a majority of my resources in time, either on the podcast, trying to build community and teach and or in the businesses where we make money. Right, so that so- framework has served me. Um, and anything else I get super excited about, like crypto and Bitcoin, it's, it ends up for me, not for everybody, but for me, it ends up being a distraction. And even if I can make more money, it consumes too much mind space. So I, I like this new formula that I'm on.
0: Nice. I like that. Yeah. So I have some rapid fire questions for you.
1: Okay. Let's go. Don't
0: think about it too hard. What's your next big life goal? 100
1: million. 100 million. And I think that's it. There's so many other little, little goals. That's the one that pops in my head.
0: What's your coffee drink? Black. Simple, you know? Yep. If you could have dinner with any entrepreneur, Oof. who would it be? Elon Musk. Oh, what would you ask him?
1: Oh man. I would ask him all kinds of things. I'm just, I'm I'm so inspired with his ability to think it's really, you know, like I said, I'm really spending a lot of time on this thinking about it, thinking Mm -hmm. he is, um, he's so contrarian in the way that he thinks about the world and what everyone else expects from him. And I think everyone can learn a little bit from that.
0: Yeah. It's like a no fucks given like on anything.
1: That's, that's the most powerful place to be. Yeah. Yeah. If he, he earned it, but yeah.
0: For sure. If you could buy any bougie item, doesn't matter the cost, what would it be?
1: You know, I've always really wanted to live near the ocean. Where do you live right now? I live in Irvine, so I'm close to the ocean, but I'm not on the ocean. Yeah. So there's something that is just within me, this vision of living near the water. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just really inspiring. So one day. It's and the vibe. other bougie thing yeah. is a plane. Those are the probably the two things. I think that I, I don't have a, a big materialistic desire in my life, but I would really want a plane. I yeah. think that a plane is like the ultimate flex of freedom and and like just flexibility and time, right? If you value your time, you can just be anywhere. And not have to ask for permission i think that's what a plane gives you
0: for sure and they're really good tax write-offs
1: yeah exactly i'll be calling my friend barb to figure that out when i'm ready
0: (laughs) and actually i don't know if you've looked into this so a beach house and a plane are the two things on my list as well we actually just looked in newport like a month ago okay houses but um and that's my thing too like it has to be on the sand it's gotta be
1: yeah it's gotta be on the sand
0: And like my agent kept sending like the house one back and I'm like, you don't understand if it's not on the sand, it's a no for me. Like I'm tired of the not, you know, it has to be like exactly what I want, but the plane thing can actually make you like a lot of money if you charter it out. I don't know if you've looked into like those programs, but they're legit.
1: They're, they're legit. And I'm going to be calling you when I'm ready because yeah. you're right that you're not going to use the plane all the time. It can be an income producing asset. Yeah. There's huge tax benefits to it, but I selfishly would want to just fly to, you're in Arizona, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, like I could do this podcast I'll fly to Barb's, do a yeah. face-to-face podcast and fly back before lunch.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Easy.
1: It'd be a very expensive podcast, but I would do it.
0: Would do it. <laughs> All right. So, where can our listeners find you?
1: Well, I'm I am on social media, Ashish uh, Nathu. You can look up my handle on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can listen to me at the Rich Equation Podcast, and you can email me at me at ashishnathu.com. And i um, And just honored to be here and help in any way I can. And this is uh, it's been great. Congratulations on your podcast.
0: Thank you. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life Changing Money. Don't forget to subscribe. And I would love if you left a review and shared it with your friends. See you next time.